We are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is the Ravens apologist, Joe DeLeon. Good evening, good sir. I don't know how I suddenly became a, a Ravens. Oh wait, no, oh, you're not a Ravens fan. Cam's a, a Ravens fan. Oh Cam. my God, don't even, don't even get me started. Uh, but I'm disappointed, though. I was like, I was all excited. I thought that, I thought that the Ravens could do some damage this year. I was mostly excited because I, I really have an issue with the 49ers, and I was rooting so goddamn hard for them to smoke them like they did in the regular season in the Super Bowl, but. Now here we are again. We're probably going to end up with a 49ers Chiefs rematch. How how exciting. How freaking exciting that that's going to end up being uh the NFL outcome here. And people always try to say it. We say I always Let's say this. Go Lions. I will say it on this show a million times over and over Blake. College football is more exciting than the NFL Without because we question. get the same goddamn outcome every single time when we root for something else. Yeah, I just think NFL fans, as you probably could see my Twitter feed right now, are full of idiots. I, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just being honest. They, I, I, I don't get it. But nevertheless, it was a okay game. I, I wish Lamar would have taken off a little bit more with his legs. This is not an NFL show. This is a college show. We got lots and lots that we need to talk about. Joe, I, I would, I do wish that I could talk about this Lane Kiffin thing and him trolling LSU all on Twitter every single day. But uh, me as an outsider, I think it's so goddamn funny. I know that you oh. don't. I know that LSU fans don't, but I think it is so goddamn funny that he has posted a picture of that game. How many times do you think he's turned that game on just to take those pictures? Oh, a lot. And, and it's mainly due to the fact that LSU took their main NIL guy who orchestrated. I, I mean, hey, man, there's levels to this game. But yeah. – Lane's going to continue to lane, but that's not what we got to talk about, Joe. We'll talk a little bit about Michigan before the next NFL game comes on between the Lions and the 49ers. Uh, what does it mean? You know, Mitch are going with Harbaugh. What does it mean for Sharon Moore, who Joe officially now takes the title as the head coach? We talked about that, but we'll mention that uh, again here tonight. Also, or today, rather. Uh, Tim Lester is hired as the next offensive coordinator at Iowa. Gross. That no, I can't. This is the most you know Iowa thing ever. That is the most no, Iowa you know decision ever. It's it's not gross because you know who told you exactly last week or a week ago today that something like this was happening. Yeah. Remember, you yeah. looked up on your computer. Oh wait, no, they hadn't hired their OC. I, I'm telling you. If this were anybody else in the country not named current Ferentz, people would be calling for him to be fired. Well, and I, here's the – and we're going to talk about this. The craziest part about this whole situation, as long as they're slightly better, slightly better than the Joe, results they, that we had. Worse. Literally, there are 130 the out of 130 teams. That That's the whole point. As long as it is slightly better, it is an improvement. Technically speaking, I think as a normal, logical college football fan, yeah, but that's a, BS, that's a that. BS excuse. You got a team, Phil Parker, but Phil that's Parker how they're going to promote statue. it. Phil yeah. Parker should have a statue. How he allows this to continue to go on is idiotic. You're at, you're absolutely right, and, that, and that's how they're going to spin it. If the offense is still bad, but a little bit better. All we're going to hear all year is, is Kirk Ferentz saying like, oh, you guys wanted me to fire my son. And, you know, I we, we improved. 
I don't I don't want to hear anything else. That's what's that's what it's gonna be like. I'm guaranteeing we're gonna get a quote like that some point in the in the middle or the end of the season. Uh, uh it, it it's so dumb. We'll talk about our ACC early projections and we're gonna punt Jeff Levy because we're trying to yeah. do this in between um the Lions game, Joe. So look, let's waste no time on here. We're trying to, you know, put it get in a show here, uh, in between the NFL games. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Everybody do us a favor, though. Hit the like and share. Share to all those social media groups. If you're on Facebook, share to those groups. Share to your own social media pages. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell. And wherever you're listening to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Tons and tons to discuss. Let's talk a little Michigan, Tim Lester, and Iowa. Let's get to it next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back! Wrong button. Wrong button. Let me just say this. Like I, I see in the comments that Ravens DC is fired. That's not on him. Like no. that, 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 that I I I it's an offensive issue. I, I don't know what no, they... you know what it looked like. Can I tell you, did you see Harbaugh, John Harbaugh with a play mm-hmm. sheet on the sideline? I've watched Todd Munkin, especially at Georgia, for a long time. Todd, that is not a Todd Munkin called. Yeah, that was game. That was really conservative. That was so conservative the way that they played that game. Look, at some point, Joe, you got to go to Lamar and tell him, take off. Run, you just run, man. I know that they were spying the hell out of him, but man, there's not a lot. He's faster than everybody in the goddamn league. Look, what are we talking about here? Right. I I mean, come on. I know you don't want to get him hurt, but this is the playoffs. This is a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Take off. Use your legs. All right. It's not what we're here to talk about. Joe was confirmed, and we and we talked about this a lot, but it was confirmed over the weekend, actually Friday, if if memory serves me correctly. Uh, Sharon Moore is going to be the next head coach. Actually, Michigan confirmed it; they tweeted it out. Sharon Moore is going to be the next def- or next head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. They're doing everything they can to hold on to their strength coach. Let's see what happens there. But it looks like Mentor, their DC is heading with Harbaugh to the NFL. Joe, I, I got to I got to say and admit this. Uh, look, this is this is where I start having questions. It's it's, it's the biggest dis- like discussion you and I had about Sharon Moore. Now, I would not be shocked if Mike Elston is promoted, you know, who's yeah. their defensive line coach, but yeah. at some point you're promoting from so much from within. I would I just would be shocked if Mike Elston is not their next DC, but Let's see how Sharon Moore, now with all this news coming out, Harbaugh leaving, Mentor leaving, how Michigan responds here. I think you bring up a really good angle here and the most important angle to take because this is so early in the process of him building his staff. 
And I think we should definitely talk about it when he starts to fill some of these roles because it's such an important job for the the landscape of college football. Promoting Elston, I'm good with because he's a former player there, important part of the coaching staff in terms of recruiting. The defensive line was the best unit on the team. And so that, you know, that emphasis being a defensive line-minded guy leading the defense, it makes sense. He's never really been a DC at a, at a large level. So we don't totally know what it's going to look like. But your point that you brought up there, uh, I would like not to see too many internal hires. I, I would really like not to see too many internal promotions. I'm fine with the Sharon Moore promotion and the Elston promotion, but after that, it starts to get way too deep. You know, that ends up being way, way too many. You need to start bringing in some outside opinions. And I don't know who necessarily some of those top names would be, but go pluck an offensive coordinator uh, that's not a Tim Lester from a program that had really good offense this past year that could really boost you. A guy that Iowa just passed up on, Kevin Johns at Duke, who did some tremendous things this past year, would be one to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely think that they need to go one with an outside hire and maybe even go with a guy like Paul Christ, who was one time a head coach that can help really uh, lock in the uh, the coaching staff and be a steady piece for for the team. I think, Sharon, can I tell you the truth, though, even though I, I agree with you 1,000%. Like, same take. Actually, Joe, to be honest with you, I had the same exact take. But there's one thing that I differ with you on. Okay. Sharon Moore just got promoted from within. Mike Elston is a Michigan guy. He can't – his first move cannot be not to promote a Michigan guy. That's I, true. I, That's I mean, true. Like, be a guy that just got promoted from within and then turn right around and not promote a guy who's played there, been there. And let's call it what it is. The staple of your team this year, yeah, it was a lot of people talked about McCarthy and the running game, the offensive line. No, the defensive line and really the last three teams that were two teams technically, but the last three national champions, the D-line was the reason that those teams won the national championship game, Georgia twice right. and Michigan this past year. You got to elevate him. I'm with you on everything. You need to go and look for somewhere from outside in, at least interview other people. They're not going to do that, I don't think. And, and quite honestly, I don't think Sharon Moore can because it, it's like unwritten rules, right? Like in, you know, in golf or in, just in sports or, you know, there's so many things in sports that are unwritten rules you know for an example i know people that follow me on twitter right now mike thomas is out there roasting his quarterback there are unwritten rules of things you just don't do okay you can't go out there and rip on teammates because you suck this year okay but i look at this and excuse me and say to myself i don't think he has a choice i think he's got to elevate elston yeah the elston elevation i think is the most obvious uh, that I completely agree with. I think that, it, again, the biggest part of this is what was the most successful unit over the past three years? What was the unit that just put out one of the best defensive ends in the NFL right now on one of the best defenses in the NFL in Aiden Hutchinson and who has produced all these behemoth defensive tackles that have been wrecking balls in the college and already potentially soon in the NFL with some of these guys that they're putting in uh, into the league in this upcoming class. Yeah, I, I, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't promote Elston. Uh, he is a tremendous coach. And the other emphasis, too, is he's he's earned it. He's earned it on the field. 
He's earned it in recruiting. They have done so many great things because the defensive line has been the focal point of this roster. And I, I think the most glaring is the development of Mason Graham, a guy who comes from California to play at Michigan, recruiting him to get him to come there. And he has turned into, as, as a sophomore, into one of the better defensive linemen in the country and is going to be the best returning defensive tackle in college football next season. So, yeah, I want to promote the guy, give him a shot, see how it goes. Uh, that's the only one that I think is for sure 1,000% needs to be Michigan's defensive coordinator. Um, and then outside of that, look around. Don't just go with internal hires. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I <laughs> – Joe, it would just be such a crappy move for for Sharon Moore. And can I be honest with you? I don't. I think that people above Sharon Moore are telling him what to do in some of this too. Like I, I don't think he's in this alone. Like I, I think that he that he, unfortunately, and, and look, Michigan fans are going to hate me by the end of all of this. But they, I think some of them know deep down that I'm telling the truth. I don't think that he he has full control of making these type of decisions. I, I, I really don't. Because we've seen coaches in the past that first-time head coach at a place like Michigan, he's going to have a lot of people in his ear, okay? And, I, you know, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. But I'll give the man this. Can I tell you something that I absolutely loved seeing this weekend? Did you see that his daughter made him wear the pink socks to the introductory press conference? No, I didn't, you see this? I didn't see that. I didn't see that. So apparently, I, I did not just bar none. I just saw the tweet, but apparently, in an introductory type press conference, Sharon Moore's daughter, you know, when he was getting dressed, getting ready for the press conference, that he was going to be ne named the next head coach of Michigan. His daughter gave him some like pink socks that he had to wear, and he kind of fought it, and she kind of got a little teary eyed or whatever the tweet said, and then he wore the socks. First off, let me just say this: as a father myself, okay, now I'm rooting for you big time. Right, like, 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 let's go. I, I, but in the realistic nature of things, mm -hmm. he's got to promote his DC from within. I'm sure that he'll have a lot of play calling duties or continue to call plays uh, himself. I just think it's going to be a very interesting uh, year in watching Michigan. I, I got to be real with you though. Last, my last thought on this: if I'm Ohio State, Oregon, maybe. Maybe Penn State. I'm kind of licking my chops a little bit because I, I do think, to your point, when you hire everything from within, some, his, history tells us, Joe, that it doesn't always work out. Historically, it doesn't work out. So, look, we'll see, okay, how it plays out, but historically, it does not play out well. Kind of similar with what we talked about with Alabama. I think Michigan fans need to have – realistic expectations of what's going to come with this and it's completely different circumstance it's good that you're retaining the same foundation because you have the same head coach but the converse of that is they're running with a guy who is not super experienced and has not been a head coach before so the expectation for them to immediately hit the ground running and to win the Big Ten again, you're going to be disappointed. I, I, I feel insane trying to ask college football fans to be reasonable because I know that they're not going to be. I, as a college right. football fan, <laughs> am not reasonable myself. But you have to realize that there is not going to be a national championship run. Like Marcus Freeman 
who reminds me, I think is the most recent version of this, who was promoted as a former assistant when the head coach left. I knew that they weren't going to win a national title. I would have hoped that they would have been close to being a top 10 team. They didn't really come near that. And they had a couple of really bad losses in their first year. And it's taken them a couple of seasons, but you need to understand a young guy, a young coach who is his first time being a head man. It is going to take a little bit of time before they reach where they can capably be and get back to that Jim Harbaugh um, level of success. I agree. Jim was actually at the game today. The Ravens, obviously his brother was coaching. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how, how, how that uh, plays out. Um, the only, can I tell you another thing too, that I hate for, uh, I was thinking about this the whole time you're talking about, and I saw this in the chat too. Sharon Moore is being put in an impossible, uh, situation in my opinion too, because there's no telling what's going to happen with this Connor Stallions thing. Right. Like, I I just think that he's being put in an impossible situation. And can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. I don't know if – I mean, look, you don't turn down Michigan to be your first job as a head coach. You 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 can't do that. But I just feel like there's so much on his shoulders that I just wish he would have had a little bit more experience. That's it. Okay, as we wrap this I, that, up. That, that's, a, that's a very fair. Not to, like, expound upon that too much. It's very right. fair, I'm, and we talked about it, where not having somebody who knows how to navigate adversity as a head coach. I mean, but – the counterpoint, though, is, I mean, he did have to step in and not as the full-time head coach, but in an interim status, was a part of some of the adversity this year. So it's it's not like he's diving into this completely blindly, you know? There's, I, I would be I would be with you if if Harbaugh was unable to be at practice every week. That That's and where every, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I get okay. It. All right, well, you want to stay in the Big Ten, but head a little bit down south to old Iowa? Yep. All right. Joe, it was announced today that Tim Lester, the former Western Michigan head coach, obviously has had other stops in uh, college. He was at Syracuse. He was quarterback's coach at Purdue. He was at North Central. Um, I mean, he's had a lot of stops uh, in his day, formerly known, though, as – or people remember him as the Western Michigan head coach. He was at Green Bay this last year. It's a senior analyst uh, of offense. Tim Lester hired as Iowa's offensive coordinator. Your, your thoughts on that? So for a little context here on his performance, on how oh, please bad he was. Are, are you going to read this yeah. stat? Okay, so, please, God. 2022 final year at Western Michigan as the head coach. Uh, out of 131 FBS teams, he averaged 16.7 points per game, which is 122nd in college football, and averaged 297 yards per game, which is 121st. And then his final year as the offensive coordinator at Syracuse in 2015, they averaged 25.5 points per game, which is good for 80th, 310.3 yards per game, which is 107, which was 117th. So this reminds me of the Dan Enos. He sucked. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't really been a productive OC or head coach. I, I don't think that there's ever really been any success that we can point to except maybe when he was at Purdue and I I don't even actually remember who the who the quarterback was when he was was there off the top of my head. No, this is a, this is a shit hire. This is the most Kirk Ferentz hire ever where must have been somebody that he knew recommended him was trying to get him a job and just went with it because he had been around and had been an offensive play caller. It's terrible. It, it, I don't even know if this necessarily gets you better than what your son did 
this past year. It, it reminds me, and we were stupidly a little optimistic about the Dan Enos hire, but it kind of reminds me of the Dan Enos hire where doesn't really have a strong history of being successful and putting together productive offenses. Just doesn't have it. Well, he had 10 wins vacated when he was at Elmhurst as the head coach, okay? He did have some success, okay, in Division Three. all right? He did then go and was from 2017 to 2022 was the head coach. They had a couple of winning seasons. He went seven and six and 18 and 19. Okay, four and two during COVID, eight and five, all right, at Western Michigan. I, I will say this. Okay, he did have some seasons where it wasn't as bad as his last season where they went five and seven. I'll give him one thing because I went and looked at this at a very deep dive. Joe, a lot of teams like Western Michigan coming out of COVID, right, weren't good because the transfer portal opened up. The roster was the smaller teams were not able to help or getting able to conform rosters. Okay. All I'm saying is I, I understand what you're saying. Okay. I'm not going, they fired him after one bad year. I mean, let me just say this. Joe, he did not have a losing season at Western Michigan until his last year where they went five and seven. And by the way, they were still third in the West. He had winning records, okay, in other seasons and didn't finish third. All I'm saying is I'm with you on that. I just I, I want to put a little bit more context that. But. Okay. But. But. This dude is not who should be the offensive coordinator at Iowa. This is, and Joe, I got laughed at by Iowa fans three months ago because we had this conversation when Brian Ferentz was being told that he was not going to be retired two months ago when Brian Ferentz was told he was not going to be retained. It seems like his dad has an issue with that and is taking it out on Iowa. Let me just right. tell you what the, let me let me just tell you what the truth is. If this were any other coach in the country, in any other place in the Power Five, especially a team that historically gets to a conference championship game, a fan base. Let me, Joe. If this were happening at Notre Dame, would would Ferentz not be out at Iowa? If if Notre Dame yeah. was allowing this kind of stuff to happen, well, that's because the expectation for Iowa is so much lower, though. But it, let me ask you this question: Is it because here's what I will tell you too? They're Does getting Iowa won a national of, championship. Well, I don't think. Well, <laughs> I'm going to be careful about Notre Dame. 1958. No, LSU won in 1958. That's wrong. Maybe it was one of those ones where it was. Uh, you know, the no, local paper, true. the local paper gave it to him. All, all I'm saying is, Joe, they're a team that constantly gets to a conference championship game every year. How can you not have higher expectations? Because, Joe, if they have a pulse on offense, who's to say what they could do in a 12 team playoff? Like, well, they're, they're not going to wait, wait. They're not going to go to the Big Ten championship anymore, no matter what, because they removed the you know the only reason why the, the only reason why they were. Yes, I know that for a fact, Oregon is automatically so much better. And now that there's no divisions, Penn State has consistently had better records. And on top of that, the loser, of the Michigan, Ohio State game could eventually just lead to a rematch. Uh, that's fair now. OK, but let's not act like they have not had success. 
I, I got to be honest with you, Joe. If I'm an Iowa fan, I'm starting to ask questions. Like, at what point do you, at what point do you get to a place where who the frick is Tim Tim Lester? Like, why why should I be excited about this? I get it. Should be. I I get that. Like, it's Iowa. This is a horrible hire. It it is. Below, let me tell you why not. Why not keep Brian Ferentz? Because you know what else they're not going to do? They're not going to recruit high, at a high enough level offensively for it to mean a damn thing. They're, they are the most stagnant program in the country. They are the most vanilla program in the country. I, I mean, I think that it all comes down to Ferentz. It all comes down to the man making these decisions. I brought up Kevin Johns earlier because he was in the in the conversation for this opening. And I, everywhere I looked and, and some of the stuff that I listened to brought up how Johns would have been an awesome hire because Duke this past year, Riley Leonard looked really good at the beginning of the season. And then after he goes down, they had two other quarterbacks who had no experience playing that they had to throw into the mix. And he was able to get the most, which was not much, out of those guys, enough for them to win games at the end of the season. Very similar to the ways that Iowa has won games in the past, which is playing really good defense and playing just enough offense to put points on the board. So Johns would have been the real hire here, and I don't know if he turned it down or not. I would love to find out, which we probably will this week, what happened and why this led to Lester. But that would have been the guy for me. I, I would have immediately give the, given that guy an offer to him as much as he was looking for, because that would have been a competent hire. But no, you bring you know, up a really, okay, I, I was just going to say, you bring up a really good point. It almost feels like, as Ference, as it's been talked about, as he's coming to the end of his coaching career, has been taking this out on the administration for forcing him to, to do what he did with his son, that he's kind of just doing this even further. And I'm not saying that he hired a, you know, a lame duck coach that would be unfair to Tim Lester to do. But I think he just doesn't give a shit. He clearly doesn't. He clearly just went with somebody he had some indirect connection with because that's the only rational way that I could make this make sense. No, it's not a it's not a rational hire unless what he wants is for him to come in and run a Matt LaFleur type of offense. An NFL zone blocking but he was there for a year so like how much how much really rubbed off on him (laughs) i mean we've seen coaches in the past hire play callers that have never called plays i mean are you watching in the nfl right now dudes are getting fired left and right and they're like i wonder why he got fired it's the first time he's ever called plays like what what are we talking about here like I, I cannot care more about Iowa football than Iowa fans. If this happens to any program in the Power Five that has had the historic runs that they've had for their, I, I guess, let me just say this. Joe, nobody that was in a conference game, a conference championship game the last two years, if this would have gone on and Tim Lester would have been their guy, they would have, they would have said to fire the head coach immediately immediately so spare me that you know you're progressing and moving in the right direction because you're not it's a joke I, I, look man you're a women's basketball school now that's all i can tell you just uh, uh the, and they're flopping 
They'll uh Kalen Clark flopped. They should just all right. Now you're just antagonizing at this point. Uh they should just run sweeps to the left all all, all day, just over and over again. Just run sweeps off tackle runs off of Caden Proctor's ass, and that's all you need to do. Because that's the only thing that I can make sense of. I I I man, and this is it's just lame. I, I know that I was not exactly a national championship contending team. They they did almost go to a playoff one year, which was crazy. Um, it's not – Joe, let me tell you why it's not cra- – can I tell you why it's not crazy? Let me tell what? you why it's not crazy. Because that defense isn't going anywhere. All right, right so, that's the crazy thing is we're wasting Phil Parker by him staying there. Okay, which I, well, hold on. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me throw this your way. What happened between Iowa and Michigan this past year? Their defense played their ass off and their okay, offense. Stop right there. Shit. Stop right there. Stop right there. If you had an offense with a pulse, Joe, who's to say that they can't be? Like, who's to say that they can't get in a 12 team playoff and make some shit happen? I don't think they can anymore. I, I really don't think no, that no, the no, modern no, version no, of college no, football no, 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 fits no. with they them. They can't right now because of what they're doing. If they got an, a, a competent offensive coordinator who could bring in recruit and bring some dudes in, who's to say that they couldn't? Joe, they got the 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 Dr. Pe- uh, Dr. Fizz, uh, Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. They got the walk-on version of, uh, of Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. Bro, the dude is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich away from having type 1 diabetes, and we're out here asking the question if they – Oh, they can't make it. Says who? The craziest part about this is I look okay, at Phil I, Parker. My, the type one diabetes thing was a I, was a very very bad joke. <laughs> the Phil Parker thing though is crazy part about this. Um, guy has been the defensive coordinator since two thousand and twelve, and hasn't moved up. Hasn't moved to another program. Has it Phil Parker? A, yeah, Phil Parker. I, I he's don't, been there the whole current Ferentz regime. I, it doesn't – like, what am I missing that he wants to keep this job so much? Because it is the – because you you want me to tell you why, Joe? He will why? never be fired. Ever. Well, I mean, I if would think Kurt that he'd Ferentz have some sort left, of an aspiration. If Kurt Ferentz left and somebody else came in, the first person that they're keeping on staff is Phil Parker. I, I'm just I'm just so dumbfounded by this. Apparently, Phil Parker was on the Toledo staff when Saban was there. Oh, was he? Yes, because Saban was there at 1990, and Phil yeah, Parker was, was at Toledo from 1988 to 1998. Dude just doesn't move around. He, he just doesn't like going nowhere. He's had he's been at three schools. <laughs> in a coaching career that has spanned from 1987 to 2013, that's that's insane. Not to get hey, too. Man, some people don't like packing and moving, dude. That must be it, man. That I mean, that's that's got to be it. That's got to be the whole reason why he he doesn't leave. Man, it's a waste. It's just such what a waste. waste. All right, uh, Joe. The game has just started. The Lions and 49ers. You want to get to our last segment before we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Joe, we're going conference by conference uh, for our way, way, way too early uh, projections here. Uh, we go to the ACC. 
in this one. Uh, what says you? What are your ACC projections? Way too early 2024 ACC outcome. How do you see it? Yeah, right now I think that this is a two-team race as things have played out over the past couple of weeks and we finished up this transfer portal um, period of time. Florida State, to me, has done the most in terms of retaining some of their, their top talent and then going and bringing in a bunch of blue-chip players that weren't getting onto the field at other places. We joked about how they picked apart the Alabama bench. But in reality, it's a good strategy. Go well, get as I mean, much talent as you can. Pass Russia from Georgia. Exactly. They, to me, have arguably maybe even improved on the defensive side of the football. They've got some holes to fill offensively. DJU is a steady presence. I, I have to go and pick them to win the conference again. I feel like they're spending the money. They've got the most intent. The second one, and it's a total, total wild card, is Miami. It all comes down to what version of Cam Ward do we get and how good their offensive line is. One would expect with the young guys that played as well as they did this past year and the guys coming up and how good of an offensive line developer Mario Cristobal is and just recruiting that position, that they would be even better this year. Defensive questions that need to be answered. Ruben Bain is a, is a phenomenal young football player who continues to get better and better. Um, they're just a wild card. So Florida State for me is the, is the clear indicator. Sorry, at there for like 15 seconds, I got distracted because Jamison Williams just took I a saw couple of to the house. I saw um, it. I agree with you on Miami. I still think that there's question marks on Cam Ward. Okay, I do think that he has better personnel around him. I do question, obviously, the coaching. Look, Miami has not had an issue with bringing in talent, Joe. I, I mean, they're one of the more talented teams in the ACC, I mean, like, they have talent, right? Like, they have dudes. I just don't I, – I, 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 Joe, at what part am I going to come – or I got to see it from Miami. Like, let, here are teams that I would take over Miami right now because I just got to see it. I'd oh. take Louisville. I 100% would take Louisville. I don't – I mean, I don't – they literally just did it with a worse roster. Roster. I mean, I, I would take Louisville. And look what they're doing in the portal, by the way. Like, it's not like they're not going in the portal yeah. and getting dudes, too. I, I, I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face. Joe Clemson still had more success than Miami did the last two years. Okay, and so the with more talent. Like, Joe, you can look at Miami and say to yourself, oh, well, they have had overall better talent than Clemson has. I mean, look at look at it. I mean, if you can look at recruiting. You can look at the portal. And, and Joe, they're still making bad decisions. I agree with you to the fullest extent. Miami has the talent to get there and be there in the ACC. The question becomes, okay, for me, can your coaching staff get this thing right? Now, let me throw a very big wild card at you. You ready? Yeah. Does one of these new teams coming in the, in the ACC maybe make a little, you know, shock the world and maybe make a little push in the ACC coming in here? Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Well, I do think SMU for what SMU I will concede. Okay, that's where I was leading. I, I I do think SMU could shock some people. I don't think they can get to a conference championship game. But let me ask you this question, Joe. 
if a scenario came out, I don't know their schedule, and this is on me for not looking this up. I, I mean, you, you thousand percent sure that Miami doesn't fumble a bag against a, a team like SMU? I, I actually do like you bringing up SMU because SMU to me showed a lot of positive signs this year for how good they look. And, and a hell of a coach, dude. He is a hell of a coach, and the biggest thing that pisses me pissed me off this cycle is that they should have been the team that played Oregon. On the instead of I Liberty agree. in the New Year's Six, and that game would have been much, much, much closer. I think Preston Stone, not really an NFL draft prospect, but a, a former highly recruited kid that picked to play at SMU, and I think he's shown some really nice things. That roster is underrated. I, I actually, I'm going to go as far as to say I wouldn't be shocked if they don't have a, a really good season in 2024. They do not play Miami. They do play Florida State, Louisville, uh, and that's really their only two hard games. You know, they get Cal. They get Stanford, which is a huge advantage. They also get to play the likes of Pitt and Boston College in Virginia. I don't. I don't. I actually think that you bring up a really intriguing projection here with SMU to not win the conference, but if there is a surprise team, I'm absolutely picking them. I don't think any of the other teams in the ACC really have the same level of commitment monetarily. And also the best coaching staff, as good of an established coaching staff as what SMU has. Sure, Syracuse has looked good this offseason, but it's the first year under Fran Brown. And Louisville was as good as they were this past season. And I'm I'm rooting for them. And I think that they could challenge to be that second best team. But SMU could shock some people. I, I don't think that's an, a, a crazy take to have when talking about the ACC not. this early. I had it. <laughs> um, one final thing for me on Miami. I know you're going to yeah. laugh at this. I told you... I think it was when we were making projections this past year. Like, for example, I don't like Miami going to the Swamp Wink one. I hate it for them. No, that's a, that's I, a shitty start. That, <laughs> Cam Ward, we're going to find out if Cam Ward can play really quickly. Now, I know Florida and Billy Napier have a lot of issues. I, I get it. But look, man, that's a place that's really tough to play. Another thing for me, and probably the final thing for me, I hadn't talked about Florida State uh, yet, Joe. I, I just really believe that Florida State, when it all when it's all said and done, they're they're the best coach team in, in the conference. Um, they're the, the most talented team in the conference. The way and what the things that they're doing in the portal is utter ridiculous. I do think that they might have some depth issues along both lines of scrimmage if they have injuries here or there. But man, they're just so talented across the board. I think Mike Norville has finally figured it out there. I, I, it's really hard for me, at least in January, on January 28th, 2024, the year of our Lord, not to see them winning the ACC again. It, like, it's really tough for me. Really, really tough. So, I'm pretty high on Florida State again. Think they're going to make the playoffs. Just really tough for me not to see. Now, I don't – who do you trust more? Let me ask you this. Who do you trust more, DJU or Cam Ward? DJ, uh, DJU because of the I, the here here's the, the the way that that question is is brought to the table here is who do I trust more means who's got the higher floor who's the steadier player it's DJU D, DJU had doesn't necessarily have the same level of ceiling that Cam Ward has but I mean we saw a lot of steadiness from him this year at Oregon State that helped them win as many games as they did but they fell against the top opponents because he's 
not that elite level guy, especially when he doesn't have a super talented roster, which he did not have at Oregon State. But Cam Ward's just nuts, man. If he gets on a hot streak at like the, the second half of the season, I, I don't see why they can't end up going on to win the conference and end up in the playoff because he's he is that physically gifted of a player and one that can take over a football game when he's got nothing around him. Washington State, and I'm going to sound like a jackass saying this because I was so high on them at the beginning of the season, he kept them in that Washington game because he made a lot of plays himself. It wasn't like he was getting help, man. He That one back corner of the end zone throw that he had against Washington that made the game close was all because of him, all because right. of his timing and his touch and his ball delivery and all that shit. He is such a good player. So, I mean, that's where this this whole this whole debate becomes really tricky because – would I rather go with the, the more trustworthy player or the one that is going to be more dangerous in a you know a late game head-to-head situation? I think DJ uses had so much experience yeah. in college too. Like I, I you know, I, I think it's gonna be really intriguing for me to see how they utilize him. Um so we'll see. Joe, I'm really uh last part for me here. I'm really interested to watch Syracuse. I, I'm really interested to watch Syracuse. I, I got to tell you something. I think Fran Brown and the boys, I, I, I <laughs> man, they sneak, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Had a pretty decent little portal hall here now. All right. I'm not saying Syracuse going to the ACC championship game. I would not be shocked if Syracuse is scratching on the door eight and four, nine and three. I'm serious, dude. I'm dead serious. Give me Fran Brown and the boys as the team who's scratching on the surface. Yeah, and I I love – look, I'm more of a Kyle McCord apologist than most people are. I I think that he's in a spot where there's going to be – You got a a Kyle McCord tattoo, I heard. Shut up. (laughs) I I think that this is a good situation for him because there's not going to be as much pressure. Look out for what he and Arando – Aranda, Aranda Gadsden, holy shit. Aranda Gadsden, who's their tight end wide receiver, who had a really big 2022 season, missed a little bit of time in 2023 uh, because of injury. The guy is really freaking gifted, had 900 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Gadsden and him could end up putting up some crazy numbers. So, yeah, no, I, I freaking I freaking love Fran Brown. I, I love what they bring to the table and could do this year. Very true. All right, that's it for me on the ACC. I don't know about you. You, you got hate the ACC? Else? No, I don't have anything else. You hate the ACC? I don't hate the who? I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I do think. I do think. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna step in in here. You ready? Okay. I do think that they, on paper, should not be the as weak of a conference as they are. I got to be real with you on something. I'm not a thousand percent sure that the Big 12 doesn't have some teams from top to bottom better than them. Uh, the top teams in the Big 12, actually, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Actually, the the Big 12 is a better conference this year. They're going into next year because now they have Utah and they've got Arizona and Colorado is a little bit of a question mark, but could be a good football team in 2024 if things go well. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Watch There's more out. depth. And look, I got to be, are you a thousand percent sure that UCF couldn't beat half the teams in the ACC? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that 
like the fourth worst Big 12 team could probably go eight and five in the conference. Could easily could. All right. ACC, I still love you, even though you think I hate you. I, I, I love me. They call me ACC Blake. You didn't know? No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> All right. No, they hate me because uh, uh, Chris H says Joe has a I love ACC quarterbacks tattoo. Is that true? I don't have any tattoos. That's that's you. All, you know what's funny? You false. almost you almost had to get one. If Nick Saban and Bryce Young didn't save your ass, you almost had to get one. I completely forgot about that. I almost got that Longhorn tattoo on my ass. <laughs> that would have been so great. At the end of it, I, I, I remember texting you. I was like, bro, you're going to go through it? You're like, no, they're just going to have to call me. You know. Anyway. No, right. I said I was going to go through with it. You're the one who said you weren't going to go through oh, with I was, it. No, because I'd be divorced. I, I, I made a bet thinking it would never happen, and then. Yeah, that's why you don't do that. That's why you don't do that. I thought it was just a joke, but. Here we go. All right. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Y'all have a good night. Hate that we had to go in between the NFL games, but yeah. let's go Lions. See y'all tomorrow. Peace.